Today, we're going to talk about the type of church God uses. This is part one of a two-part series, but the next four messages I'm giving are kind of all together. I think they're going to be four of the most important messages you can hear as someone coming to this church. There's 100 million Americans today, approximately, that are going to be in church, but a lot of them don't know why. If you were to ask people, like, why do you go to church? Some people go because they feel guilty if they don't. That's the motivating factor is guilt. Some people go because they feel pressured. Somebody in the family kind of pressures them to go, so they feel like they have to go. Some people go out of habit. It's just what they do. We've always done this. It's been my habit. As a kid, I was raised to go to church on Sunday, and that's what I do. Some people go because they think it's a good thing to do. It's a good thing to go to church. I would like for you, being a part of this church, to be able to give an answer based on Scripture of why we go to church. Like, why has God set this up? What's his purpose behind it? You think about it. We give money. We do these services. We plan outreach and ministry. But why? But why do we do these things? Some people here are new. And I hope it gives you an inside look at why we exist as a church, why we do what we do. In 1 Peter 1.3, it should be in your notes. It says, God has given us the privilege of being born again so that we are now members of God's own family. When you were born physically, you were probably a part of a family. You might have been adopted. You're definitely born of, you're part of the human family race for sure, when you're born. When you're born spiritually, born again, you now become a part of a new family, the family of God. There's a family here. It's interesting that the Bible, it doesn't say you're members of God's own church. It actually worded, you're members of God's own family. Why is that? Because that's the definition of what a church is supposed to be. When you become a believer, you're part of a family. You're part of the family of God. Look at 1 Timothy 3.15. It says, that family is the church of the living God. One verse says you're part of a family, and this one tells you what that is. That family is the church of the living God, the support and foundation of the truth. So the church isn't an institution. The church is not a social club. It doesn't mean that social things don't happen. It's not a social club. It's not a business. It doesn't mean that there's no business done. In your family, do you ever write bills to pay for rent? Does that make you a business or are you still a family? Right? When you say that you're a family, it doesn't mean that there's no business taking place. There's business that takes place in my family. I write checks. We pay for the rent. There's business, but it doesn't mean that we're a business. It means that we're a family. God's called us to be in his family, and he calls us the church. It says here the support and foundation of the truth. I think living in California, we understand the idea behind foundation more than a lot of places because we have earthquakes. And we know if you don't have a good foundation, when the earthquake comes, you're going to have problems. I'm going to tell you the earthquakes come. You're going to have some relational earthquakes over this year. You're going to have some physical health earthquakes. 
You're going to have financial earthquakes, moral earthquakes. Earthquakes happen in your life. And if you don't have a good foundation to stand on, you're going to crumble. And the Bible is saying, what's that foundation? The church. The support that we're supposed to give one another. That's supposed to be the foundation. So that when you're going through a hard time, you feel like you have support. You feel like you have a foundation. You feel like you have people there that care, that will reach out to you, that want to help, that want to build you up when you're down, to help you through the tough times. And there's going to be tough times. God put the church on earth for support and for a foundation. You have a firm foundation and you have the support of one another. The Christian life isn't just about believing. It's about belonging. See, a lot of people, when you think of Christianity, you think of, yeah, I'm a Christian. This is what I believe. And it's a list of beliefs that we have. But when you read the Bible, it's not that the beliefs aren't there, but Christianity is about belonging. It's about this is a family that I have. We work together. When a Christian says, I don't need a church, Okay, that would be the same thing as me saying, I want to be a football player, but I don't want to be on any team. Doesn't make sense, right? How am I going to be a football player and not be a... Have, has anybody seen the NFL have, oh, we just need this one guy only. We don't need a team. He's just, he's by himself. He's a team in himself. It doesn't happen that way. It can't. It's, it's like saying, I want to be a soldier, but not be a part of a platoon. I want to be an explorer without a base camp. I want to play the tuba, but not be in the orchestra. I want to be a sailor, but I don't have a ship. It's like a bee without a beehive. It doesn't make sense. We were called to be a part of a family. We need one another. We need to support one another. We need to encourage one another. Here's what Ephesians 2.19 says. You belong in God's household with every other Christian. You belong in God's household. You belong here. What is God's household? It's a church. You belong here. But that word belong means something. Because I think, and I think you know this is true, someone can attend and not belong. What I mean by that is belonging means that I'm going to attend, but I've got to connect. I've got to connect. I've got to connect with other people. I don't want to just attend, but not know anybody and feel like, well, I don't have any friends there. Do I really belong? I think you belong, but we've got to find ways to connect with people. So let me talk about the five benefits of a church family. The church exists to bring glory to God. That's why we exist. We exist to bring glory to God. But that doesn't mean that you don't get some benefits out of it. Okay? You do. You get benefits out of it. There's a benefit to be in God's family, But he gets the glory from it. So let's look at these things. And I want all of us to know why the church exists. I want if someone said to you, why why do you go to church? I want you to know these five answers. The, The benefits of a church family. Number one, it helps me focus on God. We get distracted easily. Have you ever had so much fun doing something that you didn't eat during that time? You didn't even think about God. Have you ever had such a busy week at work, just working, 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 that you you didn't even think about having a prayer time or reading the Bible that week because you were just so busy, you just didn't think about it? 
when you go to church, you know what it does? It helps you to refocus. When you go to church, no matter how busy you are, and those things happen, we can get easily distracted. It brings you back to where you need to be. Wait a minute. It's all about God. It's all about God. Because it's too easy to get busy in a week or be on a fun vacation, doing so many fun things that you're not really thinking about God that much. Or you're having so much fun on vacation that you don't read the Bible that day. It's really easy to lose focus. When you're committed and you have a habit of going to church, every week it gets you back on focus. Think of the Ten Commandments. Keep the Sabbath day holy. That's the fourth commandment. What is it saying? Never be so busy that you don't have time to worship. That's what it means. Never be so busy that you don't have time to worship. So it was so important that God made it part of the Ten Commandments because he knows how we are. He knows that we have a tendency. If I quit going to church, then soon I'm, I forget to read my Bible. I'm not reading my Bible. Maybe soon I'm not even hardly praying anymore. But when you're going to church on a regular basis, you're more apt to be reading your Bible. You're more apt to be praying on a regular basis because every week you're being reminded. It makes a difference. Look at Matthew 22, 37 and 38. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind. You know what that is? That's worship. Loving God is worship. This is the first and greatest commandment. This is what we were made to do. God knows you and he loves you. He created you to know him and to love him. He already knows you. He already loves you. He created you to know him and to love him. He wants to be in a relationship with you. But that's what worship is. And worship gives you a better perspective. When I'm not focused on God and I have a problem, my problem can look big. But when I remember who God is, how big do you think my problem is now? It's not that big. Now, it might be gigantic in the eyes of people. But when you're looking at God, compared to God, your problem is peanuts. It is not a big problem. To me, it might feel really big. To God, he's so much greater. He's so much more powerful than my problem that the more I know him, the smaller my problems get because I know he's in control. He gives me the right perspective on life. But the less my relationship is with him, the less I'm focusing on him, I guarantee you, you're going to think your problems are way bigger than they are. You lose faith. You're not trusting in God to be big enough to handle it. Is it possible to worship God on your own somewhere? Yes, you can. I hope you worship God on your own every day. I hope worship is a lifestyle, like every day. But when you're in a group, it's easier to sing together. It's easier to get that support and encouragement when you're together. And in fact, in Psalms 34, 3, it says, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. God meant for us to do it together. No Lone Ranger Christians. He says, magnify the Lord. That's exalting him. That's worshiping him. Let us exalt his name together. So I pray on my own, but, I pray, but we pray together. I sing on my own, but we sing together. I read the Bible on my own, but we hear the Bible and read the Bible together. 
We learn, I'll learn stuff on my own in the Bible. We learn it together. There's something about that with other people involved that brings more power into our life. And it's commanded by God. When God commands something, I've got to take it seriously. I've got to take it seriously. So God's commanded us to be together. So I desire to have the best worship time that we can have. I desire to have the, to put together the best messages that I can. Because my desire is that when you're coming together in, in this type of moment, that it really does impact your life. I want this to be the type of church that you can bring friends to, and I hope that you do. The first purpose for why we exist is so that we can focus on God. You can call it worship, but so that we can focus on God. That's one of the reasons we exist. The second reason a church exists is it helps me to face life's problems because life is tough. You're either in a problem right now or you're going out of a problem or I have some bad news. You're probably about to go into a problem. But life is really problem after problem after problem. Some problems get solved and then there's new problems maybe in a different area. You know, your marriage can be going great, but then you're having a financial problem. Then the finances are going great, now you have a marriage problem. And then, you know, the marriage is going good now, now you have a health problem. Unfortunately, life is filled with problems, and we need support. And when you have one problem after another, life gets discouraging. You get tired, you get fatigued, you get drained. God never meant for you to go through life alone. He wants you to have the spiritual support from other people. He wants you to be a part of a church family for support. In 1 Thessalonians 5, 10, and 11, it says, Jesus died for us so that we can live together with him. It didn't say he died for us so that we can live alone with him. Jesus died so we can be alone with him. No, it says so that we can live together with him, but it means together, meaning all of us. So encourage each other and give each other strength. That's the second half of the verse. It's explaining exactly what it means. So encourage each other and give each other strength. That's why we exist. Encourage one another. Give one another strength. We need support in life. The Christian life is not a solo act. We draw strength from one another. That's what fellowship is. It's supporting one another. It's having friendships here. If you don't have contact with other Christians on a consistent basis... It's easier for your heart to start growing spiritually cold. But when you're around other people, the, Bi- the Bible talks about um, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. When you're, when you're encouraged by other believers, it builds you up. It makes you stronger. Sometimes kids will go to high school and they'll feel like they're the only Christian there. Because the other Christians that are there are kind of afraid to say that they're a Christian. They're afraid that they're going to be laughed at or whatever. Whatever they're afraid of. But they can feel like they're the only ones there. But I found when a kid's a Christian and he finds other Christians that are, then they feel supported. That's why youth groups are so important. Because it gives you support. You realize, I'm not the only one. I'm not the only one. There's other people here that, that... I feel inspired by. I feel encouraged. It lifts you up. It encourages you. It keeps you going. The church is an extended family. 
Look at 1 Peter 3.8. You should be like one big happy family, full of sympathy toward each other, loving one another with tender hearts. Full of sympathy, loving one another. That's what we do. In Romans 12.5, it says, In Christ, we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We're one body. We belong to each other. I belong to you. You belong to me. If you look around the room, everybody you see, you belong to one another. They belong to you. You belong to them. That's what it means to be a family. We're part of the same family. We belong to each other. We are here to support each other and help each other and encourage each other. So the church exists to worship. It exists to fellowship. Number three, it helps me fortify my faith. Fortify means to strengthen, to develop, to reinforce. That's what the church family does. The church exists to reinforce your faith, to help you clarify your values. There are some things that you hear on church through a Bible study, through a small group, through a message that helps you to clarify your values. Yes, that's right. It helps you to clarify what you believe. Sometimes you're not so sure what you believe about something. You haven't studied it enough yet. But through the church, you have a study situation where you've clarified, this is what I believe. It makes sense to me now. It lets you know what your priorities are. A church family helps you to build your character, to build your integrity, to build your convictions so that you can be the man, the woman that God wants you to be. If you don't have a church family, you don't get those things. Those type of things are not taught at the local university. Those type of things aren't taught at the local high school. But at the church, you're going to learn what's important in life. You're going to get the right type of values built, and it's going to fortify your faith. In Hebrews 6.1, it says, Let us go on and become mature in our understanding as strong Christians ought to be. One of the purposes of the church is that you mature that you become a mature follower of Christ. That means you understand what you believe and why you believe it, and and you're living it out. Obviously, the maturity is seen in you trying to put it into your life. Can somebody be physically young and spiritually mature? Yes. If they're reading the Bible and applying it to their life, they can be young, but they're spiritually mature. Can somebody be physically old and spiritually immature? Yes. If they're not studying the Bible, if they don't get that spiritual insight, even though they're physically older, they can be spiritually immature. So you want to feed your soul with God's Word. If you're reading your Bible on a regular basis, you're going to mature. It's going to make an impact. In Ephesians 3.10, it says, God's intent was that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known. Through the church... That's where God's wisdom was made known, through the church. God wants to give you wisdom. He wants to impact your life, and he, ex- and he created the church as an avenue to do that. In fact, it's the number one avenue that brings wisdom into people's life, is the church. Because even when you read the Bible on your own, sometimes there's things that you just don't quite understand. But if you're in a Bible study and there's eight people discussing it, you start seeing things that you never noticed before. You say, oh, it does say that. Or they'll say, well, when you compare this to this verse over here, then you say, oh, now it makes sense. The church was meant to help you get wiser in a way that you can never get wiser just on your own. Then number four, 
It helps me find my ministry. You were not put on earth to take up space and die. That's not why you're here. God has a ministry for you. He's created you to have a contribution. He's given you different gifts and abilities and talents and a different personality type and past experiences that wire you and create you to do something good. Everybody has a niche, but some people don't know what it is. There are people that feel like their life is useless. They feel like they've got nothing to offer, and it's not true. Everybody here has so many gifts and talents, and when you use your giftedness for God, you find purpose. I do have something to give. My life isn't a waste. I can make an impact. Look at Ephesians 4.12. This is talking about the purpose of pastors, but it says, to prepare God's people for the work of ministry. We're here to prepare you for God's ministry, which means everybody here has a significant role, whether you're doing it or not. And your significant role is based on your gifts and talents. How can I use my gifts and talents to make this world a better place? When I die, will the world be better because I lived? Oh, when I die, is that just the end? That's it. I died. No difference. You want your life to make a difference. God wants your life to make a difference. Look at Ephesians 2.10. We are God's masterpiece. You're God's masterpiece. That means you're a work of art. You say, I don't feel like I'm a masterpiece. You are. He created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. God planned for you to do good things. Doesn't mean you're going to do them. It doesn't mean you're going to do them. It's still a choice. God has planned you for, to do great things, to do good things. But what I've got to do is I've got to look at my gifts and talents my abilities, my personality type, and say, okay, based on what God's given me, what am I wired to do for God? And then you do it. And you start making an eternal difference with your life. Not just an income, an eternal difference with your life. Because now you're using your gifts and talents for God. What could be better than that? What could be better than using your gifts and talents for God? It's the greatest thing that you could ever do. That's why God has you here. That's part of the church is God has you here to use your gifts and talents for God. And when we're all doing that together, it makes an eternal difference in the lives of people, in the lives of people. Some people might think, well, that my gifts and talents, how is that making an eternal difference? It all works together. From the time someone walks into the parking lot to seeing the coffee table, that's already starting to influence that person. Hey, this is nice. Then they walk in and get greeted by somebody that's nice and smiling. They say, oh, this is nice. And then they sit and they hear the music. Oh, this is nice. All that's preparation. Then they hear the message. All of it's important. All of it. It works together as one to impact lives. That's just about Sunday morning. That's not even talking about some people's gifts or doing things like when we collected up the the backpacks and give it to the kids there in Hawthorne and stuff like that. We do all kinds of things, not just within this 
building, but the ministry that we do based on, I'm using my gifts and talents. This is what I'm good at doing. I'm going to do it for God. See, sometimes we've bought into a lie. We've bought into this lie that my life does not matter. Maybe, maybe your parents were lousy. Maybe they were. But let me tell you this. They have the exact DNA mixture to make you. And you're not lousy because God has a great plan for your life. And they might say, we didn't even mean to have you. You are a mistake. That might, might be what they feel. But the fact that you're here tells me that God wanted you here. God wants you here. God wants to use your life regardless of your circumstances. Because the world can make you feel like you're worthless. That's not from God. That's not from God. One of the reasons you're in church is to find out that you're not worthless. That you're very valuable. In fact, we are God's masterpiece. What's a masterpiece? Is that like an okay painting? Nope. It's like, oh, that's, oh, that's nice. That's average, mediocre. Is that a masterpiece? No. You're God's masterpiece. Now, I can do two things. I can believe the lies of the world, or I can believe what God says. If God says you're a masterpiece, you're a masterpiece. You're amazing. And then you say, okay, now that I know I'm a masterpiece, wow, I'm pretty valuable. That right there changes your attitude about yourself. I'm pretty valuable. Now, God, help me to discover how to use my life to make a difference in this world. And you will. God's not disqualifying us. We disqualify ourselves because of our lack of faith. We don't believe what he says. I'm telling you, you're a masterpiece. God wants to do great things with your life. Look at 1 Corinthians 12. There are different kinds of service. Together, you form the body of Christ, and each one of you is the necessary part of it. Everybody's necessary. Like I was saying, we work together as one body. We all do different things, but it's working together as one body. Some people are really gifted, for example. It just comes natural to them at drawing people into church. Some people are really gifted at doing things that make the church worship service really good. Some people are really gifted at developing friendships and and fellowship things. Some people are very, very gifted at doing service and reaching out to the needs in the community. We're all needed. We're all part of the family. Some people are really gifted to help people grow spiritually. We work together all as one body, and that's what brings health. If you're looking for a perfect church, don't ever join it. Because once you join there, it's no longer perfect, right? Because now you're there, right? The reason I don't look for a perfect church is once I join it, I'd ruin it because I'm not perfect. What does God call us to do? Health. Health. What do you look for? I'm looking for a healthy church. What's a healthy church? Well, these are the signs of a healthy church. It's helping me to focus on God. It's helping me to use my gifts and talents in a way to make an eternal difference in the lives of people. You know, it's helping me to have the type of friendships and fellowship I need. It's helping me to grow spiritually. I'm becoming spiritually mature. You want church health. Now, you could have a huge church that offers a lot of stuff that builds church health. You could have a huge church that offers 
a lot of stuff that's not building church health. Okay? If they're not really focusing on those things. You can have a little church that's offering a little bit of stuff because there's less people that you get church health. You can have a little church that's offering a little bit of stuff because of less people and you don't have church health because they're not focusing on these five things. Okay? It has nothing to do with how big or how small the church is. It has to do with how healthy it is. You can be small and healthy and strong. You can be small and out of shape and weak and sick. You can be big and unhealthy. You can be big and strong and healthy. You want a healthy church. And when you have a healthy church, that's what's going to help you to be the person that you need to be. And number five in your notes, it helps me to fulfill my life mission. Did you know that you had a life mission? Like you have a purpose in life, a life mission. Your ministry is how God has gifted you for how you serve, what you do with your life. But for mission, we really have the great commission, which is to go and tell the world about Jesus. And we're all called to do that. But you have to do it in the way that you're wired. You can't do it my way. Everybody's wired differently on how you would, how is my life going to be used to draw other people to God? Because nothing's more important than people coming to faith in Jesus. There's a lot of things I have no control over. I have no control over where I was born, when I was born, who my parents would be. All those things I have no control over. But God did. That was all a part of God's plan. He knew where I needed to be born, where I needed to be raised. He knew all that stuff for my personal life mission. It all is a part of God's plan. All things work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. It doesn't say everything is good that happened. It says all things work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. In Acts 20, 24, the most important thing is that I complete my mission. What is his mission? The work that the Lord Jesus gave me, what? To tell people the good news about God's grace. The Great Commission. Go and tell the good news. So, we all are involved in drawing people to God. Everybody. Everybody's involved in drawing people to God. Some people do it through teaching a Bible study or something like that. Some people do it through friendship. That's your natural way. Like you build a friendship and then you invite them to church. Some people do it through serving. They'll go and fix somebody's car because, and they say, wow, that person's a real Christian. I can see how they live. It's amazing. The people that are most anti-Christian, you don't win them over by having a lot of Bible knowledge necessarily. But when you are doing things like serve them and they say, now that guy's the real thing, all of a sudden they're all open. Because they've usually been hurt, so nothing you can say can reach them. It usually takes actions. And some people are wired that way. Some people really are wired like they say, Jimmy, I'm not the type of guy that just goes up to people and talks to them about Jesus. Then you know what I say? Then don't do that. Because if you start going up and talking to them about Jesus, you're going to be uncomfortable, and you're going to make them uncomfortable. So how has God wired you to draw people to God? Well, you know, I love inviting people over to my house for dinner. I'm, I'm very hospitable. And we get to know them and just inviting them to church one day. I can't, I can't explain it, but I'll just invite them. Hey, you want to come to church one day? And if they, they can take it or leave it, then, then that's what you do. 
But you do it your way. You don't do it my way. You don't do it anybody else's way. You do it based on how God has wired you because everybody's different and they're all different and they're not going to respond to my way. Not everybody. Some people are going to respond to your way and that's, that's why we're all, we're all on this mission to draw people to God. Romans 10, 13 and 14. Anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved, but how can they believe if, they're never, if they've never heard and how can they hear unless someone tells them? And that's the point. Is they're never going to know if somebody doesn't tell them. So you discover, just like you discover, here's my gifts and talents and here's how I want to serve God. You also discover, this is my personality type. This is how I can draw people to God because it's got to be something that works for you. Like I said, if you're uncomfortable, they're going to be uncomfortable because they're going to tell. Don't, when you ever hear somebody say, a seminar on how to, you know, evangelize, for example, how to tell people about Jesus. Usually they pick one way of doing it, and 80% of the people in the room could never do it that way. And they would die a million deaths to be doing something like that. And they'll say, go door to door, knock on the doors, or something crazy. You know, maybe that's, maybe somebody can do that, and maybe it works for them. But most people, they would be dying a million deaths having to do something like that. So, it's based on your personality, how God has wired you. And when you do it your way, it's amazing how comfortable that is. But here's what I am saying. Get it in your mind. You exist to draw people to God. It's not the pastor's job. It's my job too. It's my job also. But you've got to get it in your mind. I exist to draw people to God. If you don't get that, if you don't get that first, you'll never do it. You have to accept that fact. Wow, God created me to draw people to God? Starts there. Once you accept that and say, okay, I admit it. I've got to say it. I, I do exist to draw people to God. Okay, I've, I've settled that. That's the truth. Okay, how am I going to do it? And then you do it the way that you're wired so it's comfortable, so it's fun. You know, one of the greatest ways to do that is think of what do I love doing and doing it with your friends? I love bicycling. So bicycle with your friends. Invite them to go bicycling with you. Because the number one thing that's going to probably draw somebody to the Lord is relationships. So if you just do what you're wired to do and do it for God, it will probably be used in that way. God's got five purposes for your life, and they're all met through the church. Why? Because God's designed the church to meet your five deepest needs. You need a purpose to live for. We all need a purpose to live for. We need people to live with. We need principles to live by. We have a profession that we need to live out and a power to live on. And those are the benefits of the church. When you think about it, it's a privilege to be a part of a church. To be a part of God's family. Think about that. Part of God's family. We're part of the family of God, the greater family of God, meaning every believer in the world, we're part of all that. But we're part of a, a church family, like throughout the Bible, you say the church in Ephesus, you know, the church in Thessalonica. Why would it say that? Because they actually had a group of people meeting like we do, and they were a church. Because when you're part of the family of God, meaning every Christian around the world, you, you're not connected. You know, it's like the bee without a hive, you know, you're kind of lost. But you have to have that local church uh, for growth. 
It's a privilege to be a part of the family of God. It's a privilege that God cares about you so much that he wants you and me and us to be a part of a family. And then, would you understand what God's done? Then every penny you invest makes a difference. If you think about it, if I donate it to, if I donate money to something, whatever it would be, and I don't really know what it's all about, how can I really feel happy about donating to something like that? It could be a, a foolish thing to do, right? But now, every penny you donate is making an eternal difference in the lives of people. Every minute of your time that you donate, you're making an eternal difference in the lives of people when you're involved in a healthy church. There's a lot of healthy churches. There's a lot of churches that probably aren't healthy either, I mean, as well. You know. But when you're part of a healthy church... Every minute you're giving, every penny you're giving is making an eternal difference in the lives of people. The lives of people here and the lives of people that we're going to reach out to. It's an amazing thing to be a part of what God's doing. It's a privilege to be a part of what God's doing. And I hope you're excited about that. Over the next three weeks, we're going to hit some other topics about church and life purpose and these type of things. And I want us, like I've said before, I want us to be the healthiest church that we can be. I want us to be the healthiest church in the world. But I'm really not comparing ourselves to other churches because I want them to be the healthiest church in the world too. You know, I want every church to be healthy. Not every church is, but I want them to be. But since I can't have any control over what other churches do, at least we can make a decision here. Let's make this the healthiest church that we can be. So my commitment is to give you the best messages I can. My commitment is to make Wednesday night really solid for spiritual growth. Your commitment to me is to build friendships and encouragement. Because you can't, people need your support and you're going to need their support. So you say, hey, I'm willing to build friendships. When someone's down, I'm going to help lift them up. I, I, because I can't do that. You know, it's just one person. Your commitment to me is I'm going to use my gifts and talents for God, whatever it is. As I figure it out, I'll try things, but as I figure it out, I'm going to find a way to use my gifts and talents for God, and I'm going to use the way I'm wired to draw people to God and to draw them to the church and invite them. Because I'm only one person, I can't do all that. But when we're all doing our job, what is that? Church health. It's the greatest experience that we can have, and I want the church to be the greatest experience in your life. With that, let's pray. Dear God, we first of all thank you for the privilege of being a part of what you're doing in this world, that you created the church, Lord, with these purposes for our life, Lord, so that we can focus on you and worship, Lord, so that we can connect and have fellowship with one another, that we can grow in maturity, Lord, that we can find out our gifts and talents and use them for you, and Lord, that you're willing to use us to draw people to faith in you, that you're willing to use us to draw people into the church. Lord, it's amazing that you allow us to be a part of this. May we never take it for granted. Lord, may we always be thrilled to be a part of what you're doing because you loved us so much that you died for the church. And Lord, we want to offer our lives to you. Thank you for allowing us to be a part of your family. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.